Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for each person that's here. We ask you to just guide and lead as we open the word. We lift up Loretta and ask you to help her with whatever's going wrong with her with her stomach and digestive system and that you'll be able to just touch her body. We lift up Johnny and Shauna as they're going through these classes. And, and Lord, we do lift up Brittany as well for all that's going on. And, and we just ask for your guidance in son's name. Amen. Okay, we're going to be in Leviticus 2, which is the second voluntary offering of the five offerings in the first five chapters. And last week we talked about the burnt offering, showing, showing how Jesus was that offering totally consumed. It's also a picture of the person who offers the sacrifice saying that they want to be totally consumed and, and given to God. So we're going to look at uh, Leviticus 2. We're going to read the chapter because it's not a very long chapter. And this is the, the second voluntary offering. And there's five offerings, three of which were mandatory, two of which were voluntary. And the first two are voluntary. Verse 1. And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, and he will, shall take there, there out his handful of the flour thereof and the oil thereof and all the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the, the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire, a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons, and it is a thing most holy of the offering of the Lord made by fire. And if you, if you bring an ob oblation of meat offering baked in an oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil and unleavened wafer or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. And if your oblation be of meat offering baked in a pan, it shall be of fine flour unleavened mingled with oil. You shall part it in pieces and pour oil thereon. It is a meat offering. Now this meat, when we read this meat offering, it, this is Old English and it means a meal. It, it, it is just food. Okay, it is a food offering that you can substitute in there. It's not pork necessarily a pork. Jack. It's definitely not, it's not meat at all as we, as we think of meat. Just figured I'd bring that out as we're reading through this. <coughs> sacrifice. Okay. We're going to get into that. It's basically, sacrifice works. It's, we'll go into more of what it means. Uh, let's see. And if your oblation be a meat offering baked in a frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And you shall bring the meat offering that is made of these things unto the Lord. And, then, and when it is presented unto the priest, he shall bring it unto the altar. The priest shall take from the meat offering a memorial thereof and shall burn it upon the altar. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And that which is left of the meat offering shall be Aaron and his sons. It is a thing most holy in, in the offering of the Lord made by fire. No meat offering which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven, and ye shall burn no leaven nor any honey in the fire of the Lord made by fire, uh, in the offering of the Lord made by fire. As for the oblation of first fruits, ye shall offer them unto the Lord, but you shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. And every oblation of your meat offering shall thou season with salt. Neither shall you suffer the salt of the covenant of, the, of your God to be lacking from your meat offering. With all your offerings you shall offer salt. And if you offer a meat offering of your first fruits unto the Lord, you shall offer for the meat offering of your first fruit green ears of corn dried by the fire, even corn beaten out of the full ears. And you shall put oil upon it and your frankincense thereon. It, for it is a meat offering. 
And the priest shall burn a memorial of it, part of the beaten corn thereof, and part of the oil thereof, and all the frankincense thereof, and it shall be an offering made by fire unto the Lord. All right, so now we're going to go back and take a look at this. Grain, that's what I said in the middle of this. It's, you know, fruit, fruit or grain, okay. food. Food is a good, uh, grain is actually a good definition on it because it is any, you know, especially when you get to first fruits, it's any grain. Mm -hmm. And this first part is a very specific grain that we're going to look at. Mine's the cereal. Cereal? Mm, yeah. All right, so this second one it starts out, and when any will offer a meat offering or, or a grain offering, okay? So this is, it's not mandatory. This is the indication that it is not mandatory. You choose to give this or not give this. This is a kind of what's called a free will. This is uh, many of the offerings God commanded, and this is one that you can make or not make, and you make it out of the abundance of your, your wealth. If you give a very small amount, you're, you're just saying that's what you think. This is, the, the name for this offering is also a sacrifice of consecration or service. Okay? Uh, you're just asking God, you know, God, I'm just giving it to you. And uh, it's not mandatory. It's not... It's not uh, free will. It's a, well, free will is a different offering later on, but basically it's the same type of mentality. It is a free will in one sense that I give it because I want to give it. And it is a kind of a fellowship offering for God. I'm God, I'm giving you this, you, you get part of it. And it really was the offering that the priest used for their food. Okay, because if you noticed in here, they're going to give most of it to the, to the, to the priest. And I'm going to point that out as we go along. All right, and this offering will be of fine flour. Now this flour was one that was, you dehusked the wheat or the grain and you ground the kernel. There is no roughage to this, to this flour. It's kind of a lot like our flour, but we've, we've bleached out everything out of our flour. It would be very similar to our type of flour. Very fine, very... Just whole grain. Not whole grain. You took, you took the husk out. You didn't bleach it. You didn't, they weren't bleaching it, but you took... Uh, you know what wheat is, is like, don't you? It has little kernels, and the, and the kernels have the husk around it. This wheat would be the one where they took just the kernel. They took the husk and the roughage off, off the kernel. I didn't think we ate that anyway, because, you know, like the threshing floors. We don't eat stuff. very much of it anymore. But, I mean, separating the... Um, see, I had... I'm a hillbilly. I had aunts and uncles that would ditch wheat. I mean, they did. That would to get that was to get the chaff, the yeah, chaff yeah. off it. That yeah. was to get the stems and the leaves and everything off. But the wheat berry would still be in there. And in this day, most people cooked with wheat that had the the husk and the wheat berry on. Bread was very heavy yeah. until recent years. Yeah. And even what we call whole grain is not anything close to what they cooked with in the past. Uh, but this flour would be more, more like what we, we have as far as the texture. It would be, it would be fine. When you blew on it, it, it it's like talcum powder. It would be like a cake flour. Yeah, it would be what we would call cake, cake type flour without the, without the, the leavens and stuff in it. It's their version of cake. Yeah, their, their version of cake flour. This, is, this was made for the fine this was made for the fine pastries. This is what your average household was not going to be using this kind of flour for their food. 
This was this was the wealthy person's flower. Sounds good. Uh, and if you made it up, you were making it special for God because you were saying, I'm taking the time to get rid of the husk. I'm only using the inner part of the wheat. Okay, this is a picture of Jesus being clothed with his his deity clothed in humanity and the humanity being cracked out and saying, I'm giving you my deity. Okay. It is also then the flip side of us saying, God, I want to give you my spirit that you've given me. I want to give it back to you. Okay. Each one of these offerings have a two side. They have the picture of Jesus in it and the picture of the person offering the sacrifice, making this sacrifice. And he shall pour oil on it and what have we said oil represents? Holy the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he's taken the finest part of it. The Holy Spirit's being added to it. And then frankincense was added to this. We talked about this, like they're eating frankincense. That's awesome. You know, well, I looked it up, and you know, they, they say that if you were to chew on the frankincense resin, mm -hmm. it makes one of the sweetest gums that is in existence. Mm -hmm. So apparently frankincense, I always thought frankincense was bitter, but the more research I did on it, the more I'm finding out that frankincense has a sweet taste. And what they described it as, let me see if I can find it in my notes here. They described it as a minty, evergreen uh, flavor. Uh, which, I mean, evergreen, I mean, I've chewed on evergreen leaves and really not, I mean, they can be slightly bitter, but they also have a nice flavor to them sometimes. And then you have that minty to it. So, I mean, this they make it sound like this is a really, now, the one thing about this is, we're going to notice how they offer this. The, the, the frankincense isn't mixed with the flour, as we're going to see on this when we go into this. All right. So the parts of this is the fine, the fine wheat, and this is literally ground to almost, they, they describe it as almost a talcum powder fine, fineness. So it would be a lot like our, our everyday baking flours without the self-rising elements toward uh, cornstarch because it's real fine as long as you really ground your cornstarch uh, yeah cornstarch yeah it'd be more like cornstarch as far as texture goes um, and then the frankincense and he shall bring it to Aaron's sons the priest and he shall take out a handful of the flour and the of the oil with all of the frankincense thereof and the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar. For it is an offering made by fire, a sweet savor unto the Lord. Okay, so they, they had this bowl of flour with oil in it. They had the frankincense with it. The priest would take just one handful out of this bowl, throw it on the fire with all of the frankincense. And, the, and they're going to get the rest of it. It's a memorial offering to the Lord. And we and it and it says that it's a sweet savor unto the Lord. Does anybody remember what the sweet savor meant from last week when we were here? I gotta get another page so I can see my notes. Well, I'm trying to think. I remember thinking about it when I read it. Okay. It's pleasing to the Lord. Pleasing, very good. It's soothing, quieting, yeah. tranquilizing is what this sweet savor means. So God smells and he says, Oh, these are my people offering to me. The best that they have. And in this case, this flower is, this flower, like we said, is not the cheap flower. This isn't something you just went to the, 
you know, went to the field, shook out the shook shook out, and then took to grind. Grind. This is you took the time to take the husks off it, or to to filter this over and over, and get just the kernel of wheat. And you know, again, when you chew chew wheat, you end up with a gum, kind of flavorless, but it, it's it's a gum a gum resin, you know, gum gummy condition when you chew the wheat. And it says that it's a memorial offering, a sweet savor. Verse 3, And the remnant of the meal offering shall be Aaron and his sons. It is a thing most holy, an offering of the Lord made by fire. Okay, now remember we talked about their whole life is spent in the temple. They, and remember, they're not given a possession of land. Okay, they've got a small little strip where they can do some farming in the city that they're, get, they're given a couple of cities. But most of their income is going to come from these offerings. And what part of the burnt offering did they get? Does anybody remember? The person brought in their, their animal. They put their hands on the, the ox. And then they flayed the ox. And they gave the, the skin belonged to the Levites. Oh, yeah. All right. Remember that? Mm -hmm. So they get a collection of uh, cowhide, basically. Uh, which is very expensive, very, 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 in, well, it was very valuable back then. I mean, it's not, it, it seems kind of silly to us today, but uh, in that day and age, to get all that leather was a big deal. Okay, it was, they made their sandals out of it, the straps, the, 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 the belts, the, you know, so it was quite a gift. It was an expensive gift that they were given, and now with the meal offering, they're getting some of the finest flour in all of Israel being given to them. And all they had to do is out of this big bowl of whatever they brought, they took a hand they took a handful and sprink and, and put it on the fire. So they're gonna have a lot of a lot of this flour, very fine flour. And these offerings were offered in the morning and in the evenings. Every day, uh, every day of the week it was offered morning and night, uh, so that they had a supply of food. Okay, this is how they're getting their their food, their 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 money to survive. Uh, and it's kind of interesting because God's way of you know dealing for His people was always that the people provided gifts, yeah. and it's still what He does today. The 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 ones who work in the church get paid by the gifts of the church. Right. Uh, and He hasn't changed His plan from the very beginning to today. And see if that gift is you're giving it unto the Lord and not the church. Lord, help people grasp and, and get that. You know, it's a gift. And, it's, and it, you're right, it is to be to the Lord. Right, yes, a person is going to end up with it, but it is to the Lord. Right. Um, it makes it so precious. Yep. All right, verse 4. And if the flower, if you bring an oblation, and let me look what I wrote about oblation, because there's something about oblation I wanted to bring out. But basically means offering a sacrifice. I guess there was nothing else I wanted to bring into it. So okay. obligation was a hard one. No, not obligation, oblation. <laughs> so oh it, it basically is an offering, a tribute, and this is this is what this is. Oh, and the meal offering was an offering or tribute given to a superior for their use. Okay? And that's what this meal offering is all about. Uh, they give it to a king. They give it to a, 
uh, a ruler. In this case, they're giving it to God. All right. Verse 4. And if you bring an oblation of a meal offering baked in the oven, it shall be of unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. So you have two choices when you bake this. You either made a cake out of it with oil and the flour without, without leaven, and it would be a flat, pretty flat cake without leaven, we all know that. Uh, or you could make basically matzah out of it, which is just your flour and water, and, and you bake it, and then it was to be anointed with the olive oil. All right, so this flour, this fine flour, represents who we are in our spirit as well as Jesus. But it is when you crush the wheat, individual wheat, you make one batch of flour out of it, which is really a picture of us as Christians. We are crushed into one body. We are made into one body. We are baked into this loaf that he's talking about. We are, we are made into this cracker. We are made one. We, we start out as many. God strips off all of the, the flesh and the hard things from us, and then he grinds up what's left and says, you are one. And then he adds the Holy Spirit. And then he adds the Holy Spirit. For salvation. Yep. And then we can have an extra dose if we want to get into some extra stuff. That's well, awesome. Thank well, we had a great class Tuesday on baptism. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I learned about baptism over this, over this study was baptism is dip, to be put into a solution that changes you permanently. Okay? Like a pickle in vinegar. Yeah. The, 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 well, because that was the actual description he used. Right. There's a description on, so you can understand that, of the two words, bapto, which is to dip, or baptizo, which is to baptize. And he says that you take the cucumbers and bapto them, dip them in the hot water, right. and take them out. Mm -hmm. And then it says you baptizo, you submerge them in the vinegar, and leave them there uh -huh. until they become no longer a cucumber. But they become a pickle, a totally different texture, a totally different oh, flavor. Yeah. Different you meat. cannot separate, you know, once you get to that point, you can never make it a cucumber again. No, once you're a pickle, you're a pickle. You're a pickle. So, you know, but this was that idea of baptism. Yeah. We are to confess Jesus and be baptized. That doesn't mean be dunked in the water right away. It means to be submerged in the Holy Spirit and be changed into something brand new. Okay? And it's a very powerful lesson, and you get the whole lesson on Tuesday's, Tuesday's thing. It's online. I've read this maybe twice in my life. I've never really thought about it. I'm sure the Lord had been looking at something different, but this is pretty cool, so thank you. Well, that's what we said last week. This is a book that most people look at and say, this is a really boring book, and we're going to try to make it come alive with the value of what this book is all about. And these sacrifices are. I just didn't know. I've never studied out um, all of these. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. I, and I know I've heard teaching. Pastor Jeff in Illinois was uh, a good teacher mm -hmm. and thorough in things. I'm, I'm sure I've heard things, but not a teaching. Yeah. Have you ever studied this out? No. No, me neither. Yeah, and we're just going to study it out and look at it. Every morning and every night, the priest would do this. We would offer these oblations. You gotta remember, there's millions of people coming to the temple all the time. Yeah. It was, 
uh, you were required, the men were required to be there three times a year. Now the ladies could or could, you know, had a choice of whether they came or not, but the men were required to go to the temple three times a year. Uh, and there's a whole, when we get there, there's a whole bunch into the reason why the men are required and the ladies are not, not required. But we won't talk about that tonight because we've got a lot to talk about, about sacrifices. So these cakes were brought in, and if you baked a cake, you brought it in. It was either had oil in it already when it was baked, or it's anointed with oil. The priest would take a piece of the cake, put it in the fire, and the rest would belong to, 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 the, to, the, to the priests. Verse 5, and if the oblation be a meal offering baked in a pan, and this literally is a griddle, so it's going to be like pancakes that you're making, it shall be a fine, fine flour unleavened mingled with oil, and you shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. It is a meal offering. Okay, now remember at this time they're using olive oil, and they're using olive oil basically kind of like a butter in, oh, yeah. in this, and, and a good, good flavored olive oil yes, tastes yes. good with bread. Uh, there's still a lot of Italian restaurants where you get bread and olive oil uh, with, um, with spices in it, and I forget what it's called. It's, every Italian it's, person I know yeah. ate, they had a little thing on the table. Well, we, yeah, a bowl of olive oil? They are, you know, heart issues. A bowl of olive oil yeah. with, with herbs in it, and you yeah. dipped your bread in it. So, yeah. uh, so this is a this is a picture of something that's very very tasty, very good. Uh, verse seven: If the oblation be a meat offering baked in a frying pan, it shall be made with fine flour with oil. And obviously, in a frying pan means that you're frying it in the oil. Uh, and you shall bring the meat the meal offering. And it is made of these unto the Lord, and when it is presented unto the priest, he shall bring it unto the altar. So the altar takes this, he goes to the altar, and remember this is the brazen altar, it's the one that is in the first part of the court that you come to. And you shall burn on the altar an offering made by fire, a seat savor unto the Lord, and that which is left of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons, and the thing is most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. All right. So we got this picture of, we got all kinds of activity going on at this first altar. All right. We talked about last week the burnt offerings where they're cutting up this meat and putting it on the offerings. Remember, it could be an ox, a goat, a sheep, or two turtle, do uh, turtle doves or doves. Depending on how wealthy you were was the offering that you brought. And there was the restrictions for each one. And we talked about how each one of those offerings, each type of offering represented Jesus. And, and, and how it went, how he was, how he was brought forth on that. Here we've also got at the same time that the burnt offerings are happening, we've got people bringing meal offerings, taking their taking their fine ground meal, showing the the unity of the body and the unity of the people. No leaven. And why is there no leaven? What does leaven represent? Sin. sin. All right, so God says no leaven in any of these things. There's no sin to be brought before the, the altar to be burnt. Aren't you glad you weren't born for it? So lots of things going on there. And as for the oblation of the first fruits, ye shall offer them unto the Lord, but ye shall not, but they shall not be burnt on the offering for a sweet savor. Okay, first fruits offering is a little different here. He's switching into a different offering. This is still a meal offering. 
But first fruits is the best of your food, of your, of your crops, the best, the first ones that came in. And there is also later on a first fruits offering that's required, okay? And it literally is the first of your crops was to be given to God. Your tithe. No, this is above tithe. Oh, okay. This was when you first harvested your field, especially things like grapes and, and olives that had multiple. The first one you took, you gave to God the whole, off, the whole crop. And it was a test of faith saying, God, here I've got a bunch of stuff in my possession. I'm giving you the first, the best. And usually the, be the first was the best. Okay. And I'm, it wasn't a tithe. This was not the tithe. This was totally different from the tithe. Yeah. When, and this is why if you've listened to people tell you, people talk about the Jews giving 10% as a tithe. When you add everything they're required to get, the, the offering becomes more like 33% of everything they were, that they got in yeah, went to God. Okay, when you counted the burnt offerings, the, the, the Passover lamb, the, the t tabernacles offering, the kipper offerings, which were not part of your tithe, the first fruits are not part of your tithe, it really started adding up. Yeah, and it's not. Yes, it's it's above tithe. Yeah. And this is why God was serious. And when he told, when in Malachi, when he says, where have you stolen, you know, taken from me by not bringing your tithes and offerings in. Okay. Right. And, and I've always taught, and I'm not going to hold it over people's heads as, right. a, as a huge thing, but I've always, always taught that God requires the tithe. That's not even, that's not even his beginning point for blessing. His Blessing comes after the tithe. Now he does bless the tithe, but his but his real blessing comes in when you say, "I'm giving you more than what you require," and and that's between each individual on how they want to deal with it. And I will teach what God says and leave it for them to work out between God. But it is important for us that God says, "You want to bring your first fruits," and this is a faith offering because when you've harvested your first harvest on this. You could have a flood, you could have hailstorms, you could have a tornado come through and wipe out your crop. And fruit especially, the first is the best. The first is always supposed to be the best. Yeah. The first strawberries, the first yeah. olives, the first apples. Uh, I'm, 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 not, I'm not real big on farming and all that, but from what I understand, the first, the first is the sweetest, the, the juiciest. The, the early, early in the season yeah. is better than at the end. So God is saying, when you bring your first fruits in, they won't be burnt. Okay, he's not going to burn any of the fruits and vegetables that they bring in. Because they're going to need them. He's going to give it back. Well, I don't know what the purpose of not burning them in, other than the fact that he just said no on these. Uh, kind of goes back to what Cain and Abel's offerings. Cain brought the, first, the best, of his, best of his crop and, and offered a burnt offering of vegetables. And fruits, which is what God's going to say. No, you don't do that. The burnt offering is the meat, then the, and He gives a handful of the flour, and and I don't know if it just takes fruit longer to burn or something. I don't. Maybe it doesn't smell good when it burns. I don't know. Meat doesn't smell all that good when it's burning either. So I don't know why this is this is different. But it is this offering is going to be given to the priests. Huh? Burning. Yeah, that might be odd. Fruit burning. 
Yeah, I don't know. But what would the flour do other than the frankincense then would mix the Well, it's just a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour, and it was one small handful, so it's not going to do anything really to the fire at all. And that's why he says it's in memorial. The flour was a memorial offering. Uh, and, the, and the fruits and the vegetables that they're bringing in here are not. And he says, every oblation of the meal offering shall be seasoned with salt. Neither shall you suffer the salt of the covenant of the God to be lacking from your meal offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. All right. So what is salt? Preservative. It's a preservative. But what, what does it mean biblically? For the first uh, salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. Matthew 5. Starting at verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his, his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hilltop cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle but put it, and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are around him. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I think that's all the way. But God says we are we are salt, and you're right. Salt preserves. Salt creates thirst. Salt in this day and age, salt was very expensive. Mm -hmm. Okay, it is said that they paid they paid people with salt sometimes, uh, and that's where the statement comes. You are not worth your salt. You know, you're not even worth the money that you're not even worth the wage I'm giving you in this salt. You want to look at Colossians. Chapter four. Verse six. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Our speech should be with grace and with salt. And again, salt, that whole idea of salt is that preservative. Salt is actually something that can heal a wound if you have nothing else to put there. You can put salt on it. Uh, at, when I was younger, I used to gargle a lot with yep. salt water when I'd have a sore throat and it would take away whatever was going on in the back of my throat. Salt is a curative. We are salt. And so in these offerings, he's saying, I want you to put who you are in this offering. It is to be flavored with the salt, the preservative, the thirst making, the, the, the healing. And this is what we as Christians are supposed to be when we go out. We present God, the first fruit that God gives us, our testimony. You know, and I've shared this so many times. Our testimony in front of people is what will create thirst in people. When they see our changed life, when they see us speak godly things, when they see us confess godly things in our life. And I've shared this many times. I used to love going into work and telling people uh, that don't know anything about God, all about what God has been doing in my life. It used to be so much fun as they'd look at me as if I was absolutely crazy. <laughs> You know, it'd be, man, God just, God did this for me. He gave me, he gave me this or he gave me that. And they'd look at you and like, 
Yeah. Are you insane? But it's fun to remind each other. Denise and I try to do that to each other when we're just talking about things or we might have come in or that it is a blessing. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that is just God's hand moving and, and taking care of his kids. And we need to do that amongst yeah. each other because Amen. we've shared this so many times. It is great to look back in the Bible and say, okay, look what God did for them. You know, 2,000 years, 6,000 years ago. It was, isn't God wonderful? He did lots of things for people in the past. Then we can read all these different books on the missionaries and what God has done to people. And we go, oh, look what God's done for all these special people. But when we know people who are getting blessed by God and they're sharing what God has done for them, that really builds our faith. Because it's not just, oh, that's what he did in the Bible days. Oh, that's what he did for those missionaries. But... This is what he's done for, specifically me, but this is what he's done for the people that I know. But the average person, it doesn't have to be Billy Graham. Right. Or the, yeah, the Joyce Myers of the yeah. world. It's, it's the people I know. It's me. Right. It's the, you know, if God will do it for the people I know that are just yeah. normal people, then he'll do it for me. And we need to be sharing that yes. with each other. We Amen. need to be able to give our, you know, when God brings in a special gift and says, mm -hmm. wow, I need it. I had this bill to be paid, and all of a sudden, here's the money that God sent to me. I didn't know where it was coming from, and God did it. Or God gave me a job so I could pay this bill. Or God did, did this for me. Or God gave me the strength to overcome the sin that I've been dealing with. And we share that with each other. And we're salt, not just to the world, but we're salt to one another, creating a deeper thirst for God. And that's the whole idea of giving God's word and lifting his word up so that we will have a more deeper hunger for God. That we're submerged into God. We're becoming pickles. <laughs> you know, we're becoming those pickles. Say so this is a good pickle. <laughs> this is a good yeah, pickle. I, I can be a, this pickle. And again, it goes to what I keep saying. It is God that does the work. He submerges us in the Spirit. He puts the lid on it and keeps us submerged in the Spirit and, the, and Jesus Christ. And we are changed because He placed us in that solution that changes us. You know, and this is important for us to keep in remembrance all the time. It's not me who does the changing in my life. I can do the right things by being in the right places. I can put myself where I hear the Word of God. I can listen to the Word of God on the radio. I can listen to the Word of God being preached on the internet. I get into His Word. I start speaking with other people and, and get built up by His Word. But it is His Word and His Spirit that makes the change. All I do is let my flesh be crucified and let Him do the work. And He says, I'm doing it. I submerged you. You, asked, you said, I, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want you to come into my life. And he submerges us into that Holy Spirit and makes the changes. And it's very important for us to grab hold of that because this is where the power of the Christian life lies. I am not the one doing anything. If I'm the one doing it, he's going to look and says, say, your flesh does not stand before me. I don't accept it. He says, I want it crucified and I want to be the one changing you. Because you're so in, endued with the Holy Spirit. You're so filled with the Holy Spirit that you are becoming like Him. And that becoming like Him is where the power comes in. Because He then starts working out of me. And it's no longer me doing anything. It's Him doing all the work. 
And if it's me doing the work, God says, well, it was pretty good, but it was the flesh. And I shared this at a pastor's meeting the other day. I was sharing, you know, I feel sorry for us pastors because so much of what we do is in our own flesh because of our training and our, and our walk that we will have much be, being burnt up when we stand before the Bema Seat of Christ. Because we have to teach every Sunday. We have to teach each, every time we're scheduled to teach, we have to teach whether we're spiritually ready, the Holy Spirit ready, we're, we're teaching. So there are many times when we teach, and I've done it myself many times over, over the years that I've taught. I've gone in and I've taught out of my knowledge and my, and my abilities and my, and my flesh. And maybe people learn from those. And, and maybe they were greatly blessed. Maybe they got blessed and got something that's going to not burn. Yeah, because and I did something that's right. going to burn. Right, because it's the Holy Spirit. Because it's still his word. Right. It's still his word going out. Uh, and there are times when I know it's the Holy Spirit, and I've been I've studied up, and I've done all my study, and it's and I have you know, and, and I'm not saying we anybody should ever go to teach without studying. No. You know, don't ever if you're if you're ever in a place where you're supposed to teach, don't just say, "Well, Holy Spirit, I'm going to stand up there and you're going to fill my mouth." No, you study and you get right. and you it's get something for Him to draw on. on the spot, and then you're going to pull from a retroprise or some, something your knowledge of what you have. That's one. Right. No, you can't get behind the pulpit and no. No, you have to do you. Yeah. You have to prepare. You have to be ready. Uh, just as Colossians says, we study, we're, we're studying so that we're ready. Oh, that's in Titus. The Titus says, study to show yourself approved. Peter says, be ready always to give an answer. This doesn't mean we just sit there and say, God, you're going to fill my mouth with it. But Jesus did say, don't worry about what you're going to say. I, the Spirit will fill your right. mouth. But that is because I have studied. I know what I believe. And then the Holy Spirit picks and chooses and he what knows it is. what people need. Yes. So if you're just willing to, I think that's what that means. Yes. More than uh, open your mouth like the donkey. That, you know, it's, I don't believe it's him. I believe you're studied, you're ready. And right. he'll tell you what, maybe he'll change your whole lesson. Because that's, that's happened. What, yeah. That's yeah. happened. If I wasn't listening to him when I was studying, he'll change the whole lesson, go someplace else. But there's still information in me that he's drawing from. I don't want you up there without, and I. Get I don't it. want it either. Right. No, nobody wants it because and it's no benefit to you or, or Lynn or everything she sacrifices. So you can come. That's cheating. Yep. No, so no cheating. <laughs> you can't cheat. No cheating. No, and we and we want to, and you know, and I study for hours for what I speak, and you know, and I'm only going to speak for about an hour, but or less, and I study for hours, and you guys aren't getting everything that I've studied. Now, if you if you got everything I studied, we'd be we'd be at each each meeting for two or three hours, and you still wouldn't get everything that I studied. Yeah, but we are uh, getting on some level everything you studied because the more you study, the more the more together. the more everything comes yeah. together. Right, and that and, and I, that's I important. And that is important because the more you study, and this is what I talk about when we read the Bible, you know, and we go through the Bible each year. Each time you go through it, more and more starts tying together and you start going, oh, this sounds just like what I read over here. And, and we start piecing together all of what he's saying. One thing I... Yeah, I heard the kids a couple mornings ago, Shauna, they read every morning and she said, oh, we just read that back here. And I heard Johnny say, oh no, that was in the Daily Bread. And she said, oh no, I hope it was back here. But what a blessing. Yeah. What was it, seven months ago? Maybe the kids were reading the word then, but you know, Denise, 
what God's done, a mighty work in them. Yeah. They're not the same. And it comes from getting into God, yes, getting into true. God and spending time with him and listening, listening to teachers. Because, I mean, I do a lot of personal study, but I also listen to a lot of teachers as well. Uh, because I, I want my teaching, you know, my study is what I teach from mostly. But every once in a while, if, if you all listen to the radio like I do, you'll hear me say something that was from the radio because it's, it resonated with me and, and led me into something else that I was studying. Uh, I don't take all of what they do and base everything on it, but you know, we listen to others to get a little bit more listening and going in a direction, and then we get into his word, and we start tearing it apart, and we listen, and we say, God, what is it you want me to, to go? One thing I didn't forget to mention on this meal offering, when that says about baking and frying these things, how does God grow us so often is so often he puts heat on us. He puts us in the fire. <laughs> he puts us in the fire and says, how are you going to respond? And that heat, if you think about that, you know, if you make a cake, none of the ingredients in a cake taste good by themselves, other than maybe the sugar that you might put in it. You know, if you eat flour by itself, it doesn't taste good. The raw egg that's in it doesn't taste good by itself. Uh, baking soda or any of those, no item in that cake tastes good by itself. But you put it all together, and, and even the batter doesn't really taste good, really, unless you're making unless you're making cookies. Unless you're making cookies, no cookie dough tastes wonderful even before it's cooked. <laughs> she, she, Lynn always gets mad at me because I used to always eat the cookie dough. I, I can't make cookies without no. eating half the dough. So well, I eat well, yeah, I eat cookies. Yeah. So I don't eat cookie dough anymore because I've gotten into trouble so much with my with my wife, you know, like eating her cookie dough. So, but I would okay, easily. Okay, now we know what we'll get them for. Give them some raw cookie dough. I I don't that wouldn't bother me. I like raw cookie dough. So. Cookie dough ice cream. Yeah. yeah. But but you heat up all the ingredients and the, a change is made on it. When we are heated in our life, that God takes his word that's been put in us, and he says, is it real to you? Are you going to believe it, or are you going to reject it in the middle of the hard times? And that's what hard times are for. The hard times that we look at and say, I passed, were just a test from God saying, are you going to listen to the word? Are you going to fall into the spirit? The times we fell... Those are the times when we really said, okay, God, you know, in essence, what we have said is, God, I really didn't believe what you told me. I'm going to, I fell into sin. Now, it may not be that blunt, but it really is. God says, don't fear, don't fear and don't, don't, don't worry. And all we, and we spend all our time worrying and, and, and failing that test. God, we're basically saying, God, uh, this trouble was just too big for you to handle. So I had to worry about it. You know, and I'm not indicting anybody, but it really really what it boils down to when we're faced with a temptation and says, you know, are you going to tell the truth in this situation or are you going to lie? And the flesh is screaming at you, lie, 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 because you don't want to get into trouble because you don't want to make me on. And, and spirit is saying, tell the truth. And you have a choice right there. Am I going to honor God and be truthful? Or am I going to say, God, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to, I'm going to follow the flesh. Each thing that we face is that temptation before us. It is something in the word that we've read and studied and believe or think we believe and God then tests it to say do you really believe 
what it is that you said you believed. And this is what all tests are about. God coming down and saying, you tell me or you're telling others that you believe this to be true in my word. Here's the test. Do you believe the word and are you going to obey or are you going to reject the word and disobey? And all tests are that simple. All tests are that simple. No, you're right. They don't feel like it when you're in it. Now, you're not thinking about the word of God usually when you're in the middle unless it is becoming so real to you. Unless it is so real to you that it pops up in your mind and says, oh, yeah, God says, God says he's got this. I'm not going to worry about it at all. And that's when you've successfully passed the test. And this is where it's important. And he's going to keep throwing tests at us. And, and he's not like the public school that says, okay, you flunked the test, but we've got to move on anyway. He keeps throwing the test at you until you pass it consistently. And he says, okay, you've passed this one. We're going to move on to the next. And sometimes it's just a more intense test on the same area. And I've shared this with people, the financial things that we're going through. About 12 years ago, I went through a financial issue and I failed 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 and I finally passed it. And that one back then has prepared me for the financial issues of today, which I am generally passing. Every once in a while, I'll get a little, you know, at fret when I look at it and say, okay, God, there's $400 due in in, uh, seven days. Where's it coming from? And God manages to pay the bill. And I don't know how he does it, but he does. And I'm getting more and more confident that he will. And maybe maybe he'll get decide that I'm I'm got enough faith that I've lived the faith and he'll just start giving me a more sure paycheck and you know more sure income coming from someplace. Right. But right now he's meeting the bills. And like I say, there's times when I look at it and I'll say, Okay, God, uh, I'm not understanding this, but I put it in his hand. Okay. You got the Lamborghini dealership. Yeah. <laughs> you can sell a Lamborghini. I know it seems silly, but those are the things that I think parishioners should do for their pastors and their wives, yeah. like the sheep. That's why. You know, things it. like that. that yeah. You know, I, I know that we're not paying you a lot, Ralph, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the church. Now, I bounced this off of maybe you or Annie or something when y'all first came, that I think we should pass the hat for you guys or or do things to bless you in other areas. We may not have money, but, you know, there may not be that kind of thing coming in, but, uh, I don't know, a gift certificate for a restaurant to have a meal. You know, something like, like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, no, and that's and so. I mean when I you read when you read what Paul said, you know Paul was very, you know, respectful, especially of the Philippians who gave him gifts and yes. uh, helped support him when he was on the field and. Uh, People have blessed me and, and my husband yeah. during you know the years. But I look at it; God is blessing me all the time. Uh, I needed my car fixed, you know, with a with the starter, and and the man came up and put the start, you know, not only bought the starter but put the starter in. A uh, year and a half ago, I had the problem with the with the clutch, and I had somebody give me a gift for the clutch. How am I gonna How am I gonna fix this new new problem in my car? I don't know. That's for God to deal with. He we, he will have somebody hand me a check or volunteer to fix it or 
whatever it takes, it will happen. Until then, I, I'm in a, in a state of faith watching my gas gauge, my gas, my gas costs double because I'm using a car that gets half the mileage, the pile. Send me that title. So, but God does things. You know, we needed, we needed computers for the church. And what does he do? He had somebody just give us computers for the church that we're now using. I was losing patience. Yeah. <laughs> and I got patience. And, and then if you wait, good things happen. Yeah. Those who wait, they say. But we just, we learn to just be patient and trust God in everything. I mean, there's all areas where we, where we have to trust him. I'm starting to understand more, give thanks and everything. First few times I read that and heard that, I thought, wow, God, in all things, give thanks for and in all things. And I went, wow. And that's hard to do. Yeah. When I think they forgot about me, boom, something happens. And, wow, that, God, you didn't forget about me. That verse to give thanks in everything, in yeah, everything, give thanks. Give thanks for all things. And, we, and we, we tend to want to look at, okay, God, it's real easy for me to give you thanks for what I conserve, consider a blessing, but I don't necessarily understand how all this stuff. other stuff yeah. is something I should be giving thanks for. Other, yeah. And yet God is saying, I've got a purpose for it. Mm -hmm. Maybe he will show us down the road what that purpose is. But he doesn't always show us what that purpose is. Sometimes that purpose may just to be able to show that I've been faithful to God during the hard times and others looking on in my life say, wow, he's really being faithful in spite of all that's happening. And I've had that happen and I've had people share after the fact, you know, that they were inspired because of something that I went through. Yeah, you know, Denise blessed me many years ago and probably doesn't realize it when David was so ill. I was here with the children having Sunday school, and you came in, and back and forth. I can't verbatim remember what you said, but it blessed me and encouraged me. But even though I was sitting in the chair and I wasn't jumping around, and I was here and faithful, and God's faithful, His presence, the kids. Mm -hmm. It was just. I thank you, Dean, for encouraging me that day, and I don't think that's what you had on your mind to encourage me. Sometimes that's the best encouragement right. when somebody's not even planned right. on it. They just say something kind that, right. from what they see. And this is why it's important. We need to stay faithful because we don't, we don't know who all is watching us. And I can guarantee every one of us is being watched by somebody. If we have children, our children are watching us. If we have grandkids, our grandkids are watching us. Our nieces and nephews watch us. Yeah, I ate a bunch of humble pie today apologizing to my children and my, you know, my husband getting short-tempered and poor David. But what happens to us is we miscommunicate. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that it happens just miscommunication. Neither one of us were being mean or and it's real easy to yeah. get, it's real easy to say something sharp or, you know, just in the frustration of the moment. And, and at that point, it becomes critical. Yes. Because it can destroy somebody. Yes. That one moment can destroy somebody. Yeah. And we need to learn to be forgiving of others when they come in. We're that salt in their, in their life. We're to be the preservative. We're to make them thirsty for God, mm -hmm. and sometimes it means that we have to apologize to even our kids and say, you know, hey, I'm really sorry I did that or said that. Uh, but 
this whole thing, the first fruit offerings of God with salt. Yeah, that's the first fruit when you humble yourself. Mm -hmm. That's godly. Yep. Don't let the sun go down. I don't. And very important because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to have that heat put into our life because God is wanting to say, do you trust me? The, the picture in Job, Job, Job 1 through 3 is not a picture of just Job. This happens all the time in heaven. Satan comes before the Father, and the Father asks him, What have you been doing? I've been going around to and fro throughout the earth. And the Father says, Have you considered my servant? And put your name in there once in a while, because if you're trying to follow him, your name is going to be put in there once in a while. Uh, and God will give him his limits on what he can test you with. Sometimes if it's great. Oh, and this is one thing I've said over and over. The, the level of the test, the level of the limits will be equal to what we know. Okay? Very important on this. Job had a very hard test. Why? Because he had a very high level of thought about Jesus. He had a very high position of, with God. We, you know, some people will have a kindergarten test level. Others will have a high. All right, verse 14. And if you shall offer a meat offering of your first fruits unto the Lord, you shall offer for the Lord, uh, for the meat offering of your first fruits, green ears of dried corn by the fire, even corn beaten out of the full ears. And you should put oil on it and lay frankincense thereon. It is a meat. The, 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 first, the first fruit offering of the corn. And this isn't just what we call corn. This is literally any, any eared, you know, wheat, any, any, anything that produces the vegetables mm -hmm. and it says that, and the priest shall burn a memorial of it very small part of it of the beaten corn which is back down to flour and the part of the and part of the oil thereof and all the frankincense thereof is an offering made by fire to the lord mm. now this is this is that whole idea the bread of life jesus said that he's the bread of life he's the he's the offering that's being put out on this on this we are priests before god and we have that offering that we're going to be. And so we want to, I just want to help bring out, you know, this offering is both Jesus as the bread of life, the oil, the, the finest, and it's also our sacrifice of who we are to him. And he bakes us in that loaf and he says, okay, let's see, we're going to put heat on you. We're going to make sure that you are still that fine, precious flour. I'm going to take part of it and, and you will be consumed. You know, in one sense, we are consumed one by another as we edify, we build up. We, we, are, we are literally food for others to look at. Sometimes that is food for them to consume and we get hurt by. Sometimes it's food that we get edified by and build them up. But we are the one, we are Christ to the world. And it has been said that we are as much of Christ as most people will ever see. We are epistles read to the world. Are we living a life that shows Christ to the world that we're in? Or when they look at us, do they say, oh, is that what a Christian is? <laughs> no. And all of it comes down to how much of God do I let work out of me? Has my flesh been crucified? Do I let God work out of me? All right. Let's, any comments or questions before we close in prayer? All right, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We ask you just to help us to be that fine flower. Help us to be the cakes that, that are presented before you, Lord. Anointed into the Holy Spirit, saturated. 
Lord, let us become more and more like you, that we will be a great witness and testimony to others as they see, see you in us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.